The Extremis Publishing Podcast is endorsed by Heart 200, Scotland's most exciting road trip. Find out more at heart200.scot. Hello and welcome to the Extremist Publishing Podcast. I'm Tom Christie, and today it's my pleasure to be joined by Ian McNeish, who is the author of, amongst other things, The Fern Bobby and From Demiat to Mont Blanc. Ian joins us today for the first of what's going to be a recurrent series of features on writers talking about their work, which is not just the inspiration behind their writing, but also the methodology which lies behind the books that they write. So Ian, how exactly did you first become interested in writing? Well, first of all, thank you, Tom, and hello, everybody. Um, <laughs> a kind of mystical answer, really. I don't really remember. <laughs> In my early life, uh, a good few years ago now, uh, it was really a progression from reading. Uh, there was no TVs in the days when I was growing up. Uh, and the Rover was a boys' weekly and an adventure, you know, paper, I suppose, comic and it had some illustrations but it was mostly the written word and I read it, I got it every week and I was transported in awe really into an unknown world of adventure uh, reading about Matt Braddock and Alf Tupper, Tough of the Track later on there was other magazines, uh, comics I suppose Black Bob Future and I used to love that uh, funnily enough my dad in these days took time to show me how to write and I don't mean how what A, B and C that I'd have got in school but how actually the, the mechanics of writing, holding a pencil, funnily enough, and I, and I used to do lots of practice in that, and so that's about that type of writing. Some years ago I was the secretary of a mountain rescue team, and that included writing the monthly newsletter. It's something I really enjoyed. Um, the preparation, the research, and best of all, the actual time spent writing the various articles. Uh, I particularly enjoyed the feedback to be truthful, it was the positive feedback that tickled me most, I think, and it probably always is. Some years later, possibly because of my earlier attempts at the newsletter and the enjoyment that gave me, I ventured further and I produced some other works. I did three blogs at one point in my life. One of them was, was sports-based, uh, another two were more general about me being out and about around mountains and cycling and photographs, and the, th- the third one was just a me having a gurn at things that annoyed me, I suppose. Uh, I got a lot of pleasure out of reading, and I read widely. I enjoy communicating, conversing, storytelling, I suppose. And writing's just an extension of all that. It, it was almost inevitable that I would start to write more. Uh, reading takes, that reading I mentioned, it takes me to places I'd never been, experienced I'd never had. And it, and it introduces me, anybody, to cultures, new cultures, adventures. And as I said, it seemed natural that I would want to expand these experiences to tell my own stories. Yeah, I think that's how I would say that. Um, 
And writing simply augmented that process, I suppose. Uh, and I, I've mentioned before, the book that really whetted my appetite as a young boy and took me th over that line to think, God, I would love to do this one day, uh, was The Hill of the Red Fox. I was hooked after that. Um, yeah. And, and I suppose, yeah, but that's really where my interest developed. So, Ian, what part of the writing process attracted you the most? Do you think it was the subject matter? Was it the research? Maybe seeing the book gradually taking shape and possibly something different entirely? <laughs> no, I suppose a, a combination of them all, really, a meld of them all. I, I enjoy researching, I, I've got to say that. Um, I like the process of speaking to people, interviewing them, it takes you into new areas, looking in archives, uh, old newspapers even, the internet, and, even, and reading books obviously. Yes, learning new things is part of the thrill I find. But I even, I do that when I'm not even writing books, I just like that. I mean I used to buy old postcards back and forward and research the picture and who is this, where is it? And, and I would go and, um, and I didn't write books then, I just used to keep a notebook and take notes because it interested me. Um, and that research would take me to places and lead me to libraries, reading books, even buying books. Now what attracted me in the beginning was not about writing books per se, because I wasn't even sure I would write a book or if I ever could. It wasn't in my bucket list, certainly not up front. So I did write, but a book wasn't a part of my thought process, the challenge. Uh, writing was a much more modest activity to me. I didn't write for others, I wrote for myself, I think. I wrote about things I had experienced, places I had been in, and I still have many notebooks, some diaries. Not completed many in the main, just snatched notes. Uh, I suppose as time passed, I, I, I perhaps matured, got more experience, gained confidence really. I did a couple of articles and I got them published in, in local or organisation magazines, nothing worldwide, I need to tell you. Uh, so in these days, I simply enjoyed getting my thoughts, my experiences onto paper. It was later when I felt myself changing. I was looking to improve, to learn, and, and I suppose it was then I started to know examples of good writing, or in my opinion, good writing. And I used to think, God, I would love to be able to do that. And I'm going to give two or three examples just now to, to show you just where my head was going and where I was trying to develop. T.E. Lawrence and Lawrence of Arabia, and it's only two very small parts I'm going to pick of. He's, 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 it's to do with Lawrence of Arabia. He's out in the desert, uh, in the middle of fighting, not in the middle of fighting, but they're resting at night. And he, and he writes a line which just struck me. He said, shamed into pettiness by the innumerable silence of stars. And I just thought, what a wonderful line. Then, when he's arriving in Arabia for the first time ever, and he, and, and he leaves the boat to step ashore, he said, Then the heat of Arabia came out like a sword and struck us speechless. And, and, and I just thought, again, I would love to be able to do that. Robert Louis Stevenson, another example, in Travels with a Donkey in the Savon. And he wrote, Overhead the sky was full of strings and shreds of vapour, flying, vanishing, reappearing, and turning about an axis like timbers as the wind hounded them through heaven. And it, what impressed me was the ability to 
to see and experience something and the ability to capture it in writing. And it was like an image in painting. Or perhaps, a bit more whimsically, a touch of humour from John Morstover when describing Rumpole, and I love this, he describes them as a field study in archaic attitudes. Things like that I liked, and, I, and, and, and it seemed important to me that I, how do I find that way and, and get the confidence to write that type of stuff? Uh, so, I long for a time basically when, I, when maybe I can step on the lowest rung of the ladder of these writers <laughs> and even catching a glimpse of the ladder would be a success. Then we have Cormac McCarthy, whose sentences, well, I just love them, sometimes very long and sometimes very short, and often long sections of stuff he writes, not a sign of a comma. McCarthy doesn't make an easy journey for the reader. He forces the reader to concentrate, to work it out, and in that way, in the way I see it anyway, and in, in my opinion, he provides clarity and understanding because you have to think about it. His stark standalone sentences link events, moods and feelings. Uh, in that way, he enhances a scene and provides impact. You almost have to stand back and look at it and reflect. Um, and in doing so, it all comes together. In my, he writes like an impressionist painter paints in some ways. In short, I think I write because I read, and I read authors, artists in their own right really, who are good at what they do, masters of their trade, and I'll, I want to learn from them. And I, I hope that encapsulates some of my thinking, you know, what you've asked, because that's why I write. Maybe that's competitive. <laughs> now, do you have a particular approach to writing a book, or do you find it becomes a different process every time? <laughs> Now there's a question. Not that experience. I'm midway through my third book, and I've started a fourth. And I don't think yet I've perfected a style, an approach. I'm not sure. I, I, it still feels a bit of a jumble to me. I skitter around and, and I, you know, snatching ideas, information. I try to create a picture of where I'm going. On one hand, almost panicking, I've got too much information. And on the other hand, worrying that I've missed important stuff. Have I got the correct information? Will the reader be interested in the first place in the things that I've included? And then I think, well, who am I writing for anyway? And so, yeah, that, that's part of the whole process that I go through regularly. One style I definitely have developed, I, I could say, time-consuming though it may be, is to research and learn far more about the subject than I will eventually ever commit to paper. Because I feel it's important that I know about my subject far more than I'm necessarily going to write, as I said. Because I think that's important, that I won't miss anything out or get it wrong. Well, I hope not, anyway. And, uh, yeah, I do tell stories, and I suppose that's one style, and I try to adopt a st storytelling style, really. One reviewer described my style as cuthy, which is an old Scottish word for friendly or, or not threatening, perhaps. And some have said that reading my stuff is like sitting beside me, listening to me. They can hear my voice. So, I don't know, I suppose that's, I suppose these are positive things to, 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 to hear about your writing. But yeah, to really be clear on your question, I, I, I'm not sure if I've got the right style yet, but 
but it's about experience and confidence again and it's about doing it and learning no so that's where i am that's my style it's a bit all over the pl- a bit jerky <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of environment do you prefer for writing i know that some people like to write in coffee shops or other public places for some people it has to be a quiet place some people like having classical music in the background what would you say typifies your writing place before i say time I, uh, sorry place i can i can mention time typically i prefer writing after 10 o'clock at night through till maybe two in the morning i i, I seem to be able to concentrate better then and i used to do lots of my police reports you know well not the ones that were required that day urgently but but you know i i i, I like sitting on my own in the house at that time of night and I, and I find I can really get on. I'm not really a morning person. Mind you, when I get in gear and get concentrating, and I can usually block out most sounds. And my favourite place, apart from sitting late on at night in the house, I, it's a particular coffee shop. I visit it regularly. I don't like hogging a four-seat booth, mind you. I feel <laughs> I'm in the way and blocking people getting in. But the one I go to has got a kind of bench seat hidden behind a divider wall, and there's only two seats there. I feel less conspicuous, and I can sit there for two, three hours maybe, and I can drink two, three coffees, and I don't feel I'm depriving potential customers of a seat. Yeah, I like that location. So yeah, I I, I like that coffee shop, and I've written a lot in that coffee shop. I write on an A4 notebook, scribble notes. Uh, After that, I will go to my typewriter, and that almost takes better shape in my typewriter. Modern days, I should call it a computer. <laughs> well, call it a typewriter. And uh, and that's where I create the words and the shape. I actually find that when I'm typing, I can do that better than even when I'm writing in paper. But I need to have scribbled in the initial draft first. And it's, yes, mostly in that coffee shop or late at night. Or sometimes the library's quite good. If I can find a quiet corner in the library upstairs, I'll use that. These are my favourite places to go. And how often do you find that your research presents you with surprising discoveries? Maybe the kind of facts that you never expected to find when you started? Huh. Uh, often. And that's part of the thrill, isn't it? That's part of the enjoyment, to me anyway. Uh, you know, you're searching through old papers, old minutes in an archive, and you can unearth the most fascinating facts. And some of them you might never use in your book, but I take a note of them anyway. Speaking to aged locals in an area can also be an eye-opener. You learn so much talking to them. Um, when I was researching my first book, um, eh, I went down to the archive in, in Stirling. And I gleaned quite a lot of stuff from the council archive, but I'll give you a couple of examples which fascinated me. And I never used these in my book necessarily, but... Well, I did use one actually. Uh, and it's from a special a, a police order dated the 10th of November 1914 so it was a while back 100 odd years ago and this is what the order said Central Belgian Refugee Committee for Scotland HQ in Glasgow has asked for and been granted permission by the Chief Constable to send refugees into any part of the Stirlingshire Constabulary area excepting the parishes of Earth, Grangemouth and Muravenside now that fascinated me in a different couple of levels. I don't think today they would ask the chief constable for permission to move refugees into our area somehow. So there's a whole change in the world since then. 
And why did he pick Earth Grange within your Ravenside for places that we, we should not send refugees? I thought that was quite fascinating. Uh, but as I said, it was really interesting that the chief constable was the person given permission. I also uncovered a really interesting study on policing in the late 19th century uh, in the north of England mostly, but it, but it did resonate through into Scotland by Robert Sturch, entitled The Policeman as a Domestic Missionary, Urban Discipline and Popular Culture, Northern England, 1850-1880. In his study, Storch talks about urban change strategy, where Unitarian domestic missionaries, urban middle-class elites as he called them, hell-bent on educational temperance and recreational reform. The missionaries were supported in their reform and temperance work at the opposite end of the reform spectrum by truncheon-welding police officers. That fascinated me. In this role, the police were hated and seen as an unwelcome intrusion into working-class life and earned such titles as Blue Plagues, Blue Drones and Blue Locusts. That was one wee discovery that I'd never known about and I really, that, I found that quite tickling. Uh, more recently, when researching my third book, I discovered the whereabouts of a Bronze Age lava battle axe in the Stirling area. Something that nobody would have been, had located and I actually managed to find it and get photographs of it. And the location of a crashed World War II Spitfire. Uh, book four, which is obviously partly done, very small bits done, and that's for the future. That had me researching the Zulu herring fishing boats, something again I'd never heard of before starting my research into that book. So these are just a few of my discoveries, uh, coupled with reasons for writing previously articulated. Such research has also to feature, and in and reasons why I write because because. These are that I just think they're gems, and, and, and why wouldn't you want to find these things out? It just brightens my day up. So the question was, did I find things that surprised me? Well, there's just a few silly wee examples. What would you say are the main challenges you've encountered when you're writing? Do you find it a reasonably organic process, or do you have to plan things out quite rigidly before you start? Hey, gosh. I'm still learning and seeking a formula. It is a bit erratic at present, but I think I'm probably more organic than rigid. You know, I don't write technical books, textbooks. I'm certainly not writing a thesis. So my main aim is to, and the way I look at it, is to inform at one level, be interesting, and dare I say entertaining. So my storytelling style I have, I've adopted for that. I do employ a form of planning in that I try to imagine and lay out the framework, the skeleton, of where the book's going. Uh, that will consist of the issues or subjects I will cover. I then research and study, yeah, to fill in the flesh. And that will include, for example, anecdotes, quotes, studies, historical context perhaps. And I try to sew them all together into my own style of storytelling. Yeah, and... Yeah, so I, I know, would you call that an organic process? I think it's more organic than it is technical anyway, or rigid. And how do you feel when you see your work arriving in the form of a finished book and appearing on the bookshelves? Is there a sense of excitement and is it the same every time? <laughs> a mixture of uneasiness and disbelief. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and before I fall over, perhaps a touch of pride as well, but certainly the first two. Uh, 
You know, to see a book I have written on the shelf of a bookshop with some real writers, besides Sadie with Rosie, or Hitch 2 by Christopher Hitchens, and a book by Roy Jenkins, I mean, I just... I mean, that, that was the case. I went down one day and there it was, and I thought, oh my goodness. You know, I said, well, it's like being in the same football field as Messi. And uh, I must say, I was excited. I'm not the kind of excited type, but but it is nice, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, so that's how I feel. I suppose that's a bit short, but it's a, a sense of a kind of, of, you know, it's an achievement, I suppose, but not to get too carried away, but yes, I, yes, disbelief, but yeah, there's a bit of pride involved in that, and, and I hope that maybe my, maybe my family will get a wee bit of pride as well, if they bother to go in and look one day, <laughs> which they haven't so far. <laughs> and finally, I have to ask Ian, what are your future writing ambitions? Do you think there are any projects you'd especially like to get involved in? Or do you prefer to wait and see what life serves you up? Gosh, life serves me up. I'll be 75 in a fortnight, so... <laughs> I'm not sure where life's going to f- lead me or f- feed me out. Uh, I'm, I'm keen to get this fourth book done, I've got to say that. I, I'm try- The third one, I'm really trying to get that finished, but I'm really keen to get on to the fourth one, because that has always interested and excited me. That's the... The one about my what, the, the decision to be made about how many, but my forty or fifty most interesting uh, photographs I've taken in Scotland with a story that goes with them. Yeah, that there's no doubt that, that I'm really keen to do that one. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. I have a couple of thoughts. I've always said that I would love to be able to write a novel, but I, I find that that's a totally different place, and. And I, and I hesitate to say this in case people <laughs> slap me down. Yes, if I could write a novel, I think I would have arrived. I'm not sure that that my other stuff, which is non-fiction, which is fine as far as it goes, but I'd love to be able to write a novel. And maybe one day I will. So, uh, but who knows? To start writing books about four years ago in the cusp of my 70th birthday, it was a new venture. A new path, it was, it was exciting. My friends and colleagues in the writing group are astounded by my journey into writing and being published. And for an old plod like me, honestly, to be approached by a publishing company and asked to write a book is, according to them, a tad unusual and certainly not the normal model. I'm really very lucky. So, yeah, that's my view. I hope anybody listening to this well, maybe somebody might be inspired and say, gosh, if he can do it, I'm sure I can do it. And yes, that would be lovely. So I would just like to thank you, Tom and Julie, for giving me this opportunity to say a few words the way I've done it and to Extremist Publishing for giving me the, the opportunity in the first place. So thank you very much to you two and to anybody that's listening. And thanks to you too, Ian, for taking the time to speak to us today about what is often a very involved topic because I often say there are as many different approaches to writing as there are authors out there and no two people ever have the same approach to writing a book so I'm really very grateful to you for taking the time to explain how you write yours. Thank you very much. Thanks everyone for listening. I do hope that you'll join us again soon.
If you would like to find out more about advertising on the Extremist Publishing Podcast, please visit their website at www.extremistpublishing.com for details.